0: When the pie was opened, the birds began to sing the birds' Christmas Carol. The children went out of the back door quietly and were presently lost to sight, Sarah Maud slipping and stumbling along absently-mindedly as she recited rapidly under her breath. It was such a pleasant evening and such a short walk that we thought we'd all leave our hats to home it was such a pleasant evening and such a short walk that we thought we'd leave our hats to home peter rang the doorbell and presently a servant admitted them and whispering something in sarah's ear drew her downstairs into the kitchen the other ruggleses stood in horror-stricken groups as the door closed behind their commanding officer. But there was no time for reflection, for a voice from above was heard saying, Come right upstairs, please. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do or die. Accordingly, they walked upstairs, and Elfrida the nurse ushered them into a room more splendid than anything they had ever seen. But oh, woe, where was Sarah Maud? And was it fate that mrs Bird should say at once, Did you leave your hats in the hall? Peter felt himself elected by circumstance the head of the family, and casting one imploring look to-at tongue-tied susan standing next to him said huskily, It was so very pleasant that-that-that we hadn't good hats enough to go round, put in little Susan bravely to help him out and then froze with horror that the ill-fated words had slipped off her tongue. However, Mrs. Bird said pleasantly, Of course you wouldn't wear hats such a short distance. I quite forgot when I asked. Now will you come right in to Miss Carol's room? She is so anxious to see you. Just then, Sarah Maud came up the back stairs so radiant with joy from Her secret interview with the cook that Peter could have pinched her with a clear conscience, and Carol gave them a joyful welcome. But where is baby Larry? She cried, looking over the group with searching eye. Didn't he come? Larry? Larry? Where was Larry? They were all sure that he had come in with them, for Susan remembered scolding him for tripping over the doormat. Uncle Jack went into convulsions of laughter are you sure there were nine of you when you left home he asked merrily i think so sir said peoria timidly but anyhow there was larry and she showed signs of weeping oh well cheer up cried uncle jack probably he's not lost only miss i'll go and find him before you can say jack robinson i'll go too if you please sir said sarah Maud. for it was my place to mind him and if he's lost, I can't relish my vittles. The other Ruggles stood rooted to the floor. Was this a dinner party? And if so, why were such things ever spoken of as festive occasions? Sarah Maud went out through the hall calling, Larry, Larry, and without any any interval of suspense, a thin voice piped up from below. Here I be. The truth was that Larry, being deserted by his natural guardian, dropped behind the rest and wriggled into the hat tree to wait for her. Having no notion of walking unprotected into the jaws of a fashionable entertainment, finding that she did not come, he tried to crawl from his refuge and call somebody. When dark and dreadful, ending to a tragic day, he found that he was too much intertwined with umbrellas and canes to move a single step. He was afraid to yell when I have said this of Larry Ruggles. I pictured a state of helpless terror that ought to wreak tears from every eye, and the sound of Sarah Maud's beloved voice some seconds later was like a strain of angel music in his ears. Uncle Jack dried his tears, carried him upstairs, and soon had him in breathless tits of laughter, while Carol so made the other Ruggleses forget themselves that they were presently talking like accomplished dinners out. Carol's bed had been moved into the farthest corner of the room, and she was lying on the outside, dressed in a wonderful dressing gown that looked like a fleecy cloud. Her golden hair fell in fluffy curls over her white forehead and neck, her cheeks flushed delicately, her eyes beamed with joy and the children told their mother afterwards that she looked as beautiful as the angels in the picture books. There was a great bustle behind a huge screen in another part of the room, and at half past five this was taken away, and the Christmas dinner table stood revealed. What a wonderful sight it was to the poor little Ruggles children who ate their sometimes scanty meals on the kitchen table. It blazed with tall, colored candles. It gleamed with glass and silver, it blushed with flowers, it groaned with good things to eat, so it was not strange that the Ruggleses, forgetting altogether that their mother was a Mac shrieked in admiration of the fairy spectacle, but Larry's behavior was the most disgraceful, for he stood not upon the order of his going, but went at once for a high chair that pointed unmistakably to him climbed up like a squirrel gave a comprehensive look at the turkey clapped his hands in ecstasy rested his fat arms on the table and cried with joy i beat the whole lot of year carol laughed until she cried giving orders meanwhile uncle jack please sit at the head sarah maud at the foot and that will leave four on each side Mother is going to help Elfreda so that the children need not look after one another. But just have a good time. A sprig of holly lay by each plate, and nothing would do but each little ruggles must leave his seat and have it pinned on by Carol. And as each course was served, one of them pleaded to take something to her. There was hurrying to and fro, I can assure you, for it is quite a difficult matter to serve a Christmas dinner on the third floor of a great city house. But if it had been necessary to carry every dish up a rope ladder, the servants would gladly have done so. There were turkey and chicken with delicious gravy and stuffing, and there were half a dozen vegetables with cranberry jelly and celery and pickles, and as for the way these delicacies were served, the Ruggles never forgot it as long as they lived. Peter nudged Kitty, who sat next to him and said, Look, will you? Every feller's got his own particular butter. I suppose that's to show you can eat that and no more. No, it ain't either, for that pig of a pure He's just getting another helping. Yes, whispered Kitty, and the napkins is marked with big red letters. I wonder if that's so nobody will... And oh, Peter, look at the picture stickin' right on to the dishes. I, did you ever? The, the fusses is, is all took out o my cranberry sauce and its fritz to a stiff gel, whispered Peoria in wild excitement. Hiya, I got the wishbones, sang Larry. Regardless of Sarah Maud's frown, after which she asked to have his seat changed, giving an excuse that he generally sat beside her, "'and would feel strange, "'the true reason being that she desired "'to kick him gently under the table "'whenever he passed what might be termed "'the grill line. "'I murmured Susan on the other side. "'There's so much to look at, "'I can't scarcely eat no thing.' "'I can,' said Peter, "'who had kept one servant busily employed "'ever since he sat down, "'for luckily no one has was asked by Uncle Jack "'whether he would have a second help but the dishes were quietly passed under their noses, and not a single Ruggles refused anything that was offered him, even on to the seventh time. Then, when Carol and Uncle Jack perceived that more turkey was a physical impossibility, the meats were taken off, and the dessert was brought, and a dessert that would have frightened a strong man after such a dinner as had preceded it. Not so the Ruggles, for a strong man is nothing to a small boy. And they kindled to the dessert as if the turkey had been a dream, and the six vegetables and optical delusion. There were plum pudding, mince pie, and ice cream, and there were nuts, and raisins, and oranges. Kitty chose ice cream, explained that she knew it by sight, though she hadn't and never tasted none. But all the rest took Took the entire variety without any regard to consequences. My dear child, whispered Uncle Jack as he took Carolina the orange, there is no doubt about the necessity of this feast, but I do advise you after this to have them twice a year or quarterly perhaps, for the way these children eat is positively dangerous. I assure you, I tr- tremble for that terrible Peoria. I'm going to run races with her after dinner. "'Never mind,' laughed Carol. "'Let them have enough for once. It "'Does my heart good to see them, "'and they shall come oftener next year.' "'The feast being over, "'the Ruggleses lay back in their chairs languidly "'like little gorged boa constrictors, "'and the table was cleared in a trice. "'Then a door was opened into the next room, "'and there, in a corner facing Carol's bed, "'which had been wheeled as close as possible,' stood the brilliantly lighted Christmas tree glittering with, with gilded walnuts and tiny silver balloons and wreathed with snowy chains of popcorn. The presents had been br- bought mostly with Carol's story money and were selected after long consultations with Mrs. Bird. Each girl had a blue knitted hood and each boy a red crocheted comforter. All made by Mrs. Bird, Carol, and Oh because if you buy everything, it doesn't show so much love, said Carol. Then every girl had a pretty plaid dress of a different color, and every boy a warm coat of the right size. Here the useful presents stopped, and then there were they were quite enough, but Carol had pleaded to give them something for fun. I know they need the clothes, she had said, when they were talking over the matter just after Thanksgiving, but they don't care much for them, after all. Now, Father, won't you please let me go without part of my presents this year and money they would cost to buy something to amuse the Ruggleses? You can have both, said Mr. Burr promptly. Any need of my little girl's going without her own Christmas? I should like to know. Spend all the money you like." "'But that isn't the thing,' objected Carol, nestling close to her father. "'It wouldn't be mine. What is the use? "'Haven't I almost everything already, "'and am I not the happiest girl in the world this year "'with Uncle Jack and Donald at home? "'You know very well it is more blessed to give than to receive. "'So why won't you let me do it? "'You never look half as happy when you are getting your presents "'as when you are giving us ours.' Now, Father, submit, or I shall have to be very firm and disagreeable with you. Very well, Your Highness. So I'll surrender. That's it, dear. Now, what were you going to give me? Confess, the bronze tiger of Santa Claus, and in the little round belly that shakes, when he laughs like a bowl full of jelly, it's a wonderful clock. Oh, you would never give it up if you could see it. "'Nonsense,' laughed Carol. As, "'As I never get up to breakfast, "'or go to bed, nor catch trains, "'I think my old clock will do very well. "'Now, Mother, what are, were you going to give me?' "'Oh, I hadn't decided. "'A few more books, and a gold thimble, "'and a smelling bottle, and a music box, perhaps.' "'Poor Carol,' laughed the ch- child merrily. "'She can afford to give up these lovely things.' for that, there will still be left Uncle Jack and Donald and Paul and Huff and Uncle Rob and Aunt Elsie and a dozen other people to fill her Christmas stocking. So Carol had her way, as she generally did, but it was usually a good way, which was fortunate under the circumstances. And Sarah Maud had a set of Miss Alcott's books, and Peter a modest silver watch, Cornelius a tool chest, Clement, a dog house, for his lame puppy, Larry, a magnificent Noah's Ark, and each of the younger girls a beautiful dog. You can well believe that everybody was very merry and very thankful. All the family from from Mr. Bird down to the cook said that they had never seen so much happiness in the space of three hours, but it had to end, as all things do. The candles flickered and went out, the tree was left alone with its gilded ornaments, and Mrs. Bird sent the children downstairs at half-past eight, thinking that Carol looked tired. "'Now, my darling, you have done quite enough for one day,' said Mrs. Bird, getting Carol into her nightgown. "'I'm afraid you will feel worse tomorrow, and that would be a sad ending to such a charming evening.' "'Oh, wasn't it a lovely, lovely time,' sighed Carol. From first to last, everything was just right. I shall never forget Larry's face when he looked at the turkey, nor Peter's when he saw his watch, nor that sweet, sweet kitty's smile when she, she kissed her dolly, nor the tears in poured off Sarah Maud's eyes when she thanked me for her books, nor, but we mustn't talk any longer about it tonight, said Mrs. Bird anxiously. You are too tear, dear. I'm not tired, Mother. I felt well all day. Not a bit of pain anywhere. Perhaps this has done me good. Perhaps I hope so. There was no noise or confusion. It was just a merry time. Now may I close the door and leave you alone, dear? Father and I will steal in softly by and by to see if you are all right. But I think you need to be very quiet. Oh, I'm willing to stay by myself, but I am not sleepy yet, and I'm going to hear the music you no yes i have opened the window a little and put the screen in front of it so that you won't feel the air can i have the shutters open and won't you turn my bed please this morning i woke ever so early and one bright beautiful star shone in the eastern window i never noticed it before and i thought of the star in the east the guide of the wise men to the place where the baby jesus was born good-night mother such a happy happy day Good night, my precious Christmas car- Christmas child. Bend your head a minute before you go, whispered Carol. Mother dear, I do think that we have kept Chris Christ's birthday this time just as he would like it, don't you? I am sure of it, said Mrs. Bird softly. Thank you for listening to another episode of Acre Soft Story Classic.